The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am cruel. That I did know. These people may be isolated and unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. I'm Suda. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Highland, Eric, Self, Mike. Also joining us um, along for this special night is Junior Agent Zoe. And we have special guest um, Surin herself from Captain Marvel, who she showed us her ears, and uh, she's a little hard of hearing. Maybe. <laughs> Um, and the ears she are awesome. She can do Shakespeare. <laughs> Friends, Romans, lend me your ears. And she's got two of them right there. When Soren, when Soren talks, everybody listens. <laughs> <laughs> That's the episode. It has named itself. And that voice you just heard is Sharon Blinn. How is everyone doing tonight? Well, well, well. <laughs> Work from home, day 27. Yes, a little stir crazy. I have okay. fired all my co-workers because they were plotting against me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just like Kylan, one of my coworkers, going. Yeah, they do it. They do it several times a day. I really don't understand why. Wait, a human being person? No, Is the dogs. Oh. No. <laughs> Okay, it's like that thing. It's like that thing that's going around when you say, "Yo, describe your pets," but use the word coworker instead. Ah, see, I don't have pets. I don't. I didn't get the uh, code. What I mean, never serious. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. I don't have any pets. The closest thing I got is the animatronic deer head hanging on the wall. Uh, <laughs> well, one you know, one I favorite. have a crocheted baby Yoda. Oh, that's nice. She's now jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a, there's a theme in the ears, I think. With- oh, there you go. That could, that could be the other show all about the ears. <laughs> all about Sharon the ears. Lynn. All about the ears. <laughs> well, because they're like, they're also kind of Vulcan. If you see my ears are kind of pointy. I've always thought I had kind of Vulcan ears. So sort of <laughs> just extending that a little bit. <laughs> so before, can you do it with both? I can. Ah, see? <laughs> <laughs> we are all Vulcan. Talent. Fruit. 
Um, before, I think we are all geek approved now. <laughs> before we get to our questions, guys, I always got questions but like that before she has to go off head. Ew. Or, Ew. or a little sleep. So, Zoe, First, shoot away. All the questions are Captain Marvel based because that's all I've seen you with. Okay. In Captain Marvel, what was the best part of filming? Every single thing about it was the best thing about it. <laughs> um, I guess if you, the overarching thing is I'm a huge Marvel geek fan. I have been my whole life since childhood. So just being in the MCU is, is it really is. I'm not even exaggerating that. The whole thing, there was not a single moment that I didn't thoroughly enjoy and I had to keep pinching myself that it was really happening. Uh, but if I had to pick maybe what I could say, as an actor, the added level of just getting to work with Ben Mendelsohn and have him as my husband was pretty amazing. <laughs> ben Mendelsohn, my husband, Talos, my husband, my husband. He was also in, He's in Rogue Strange and Rogue One and the and outside of the Marvel Universe. Star Wars Rogue One. Uh, Urso's, Urso's father. Uh, yeah. Alien Urso? Yeah. Ben's father? Yeah. Your favorite character in Rogue One? So that guy was my, my scroll husband. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's cool. Is that a good answer, Zoe, or do you need more? That's you more. Okay. What would change? Oh, more scroll time. <laughs> um, hey, um, gosh, you know, I actually haven't even thought about it in that way. That is a really good question. I also wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I just I thought it was a fun movie. I, I, you know, I didn't, I did not know or see, I didn't see or read the whole script until I saw the movie. I only had the sides for my scene or scenes. Um, so I didn't even see the movie until two days before it came out. Oh, the script, the pages with this, uh, the it, scenes I'm in. Scenes. Yeah. So, and Marvel is super tight with all that stuff. So I only had the pages where I was actually participating. So I didn't, I didn't even really know how my scenes even fit into the whole thing. Like that whole reveal where Soren and Talos are reunited with their daughter. Oops, spoiler. Um, <laughs> in case anyone still hasn't seen it, um, that I did not understand. I knew that we were reuniting after a long, you know, I knew we were doing what we were doing, but I didn't understand it in the context of the significance of that moment in terms of the plot line and, you know, how they were reframing the scrolls and, you know, and their relationship to everything else in the MCU. So it was, I saw the movie, I saw that for the first time with the cast and crew when we saw the cast and crew screening. So I, I you know, I was kind of blown away by it. So I, I just really loved it. But I wouldn't change a thing except get more, get more scenes, maybe. <laughs> your answer is perfect. Oh, cool. Right on. And so you're connected with Alos thing at the time Carol Danvers is helping you. When you yeah. ask, um, can we trust her? Is the character supposed to act at the time bad guy or you felt that bad or bad that, person? Well, for us, when we saw her uniform, it was her uniform that was cluing us that we were being held captive by people whose uniforms looked like hers. So her uniform was, to me, the symbol, it was actually more the symbol on her uniform, um, was like the enemy. We've been held, we were held as captives on that ship that we were on for six years. So... Well, yeah, of course, because, and again, there was so much going on in that moment. I hadn't seen him in forever, and I, I'm filled with all I'm still in this environment and we're, we're, we're scared. And of course, standing in the arms of my, my beloved, who I of course trust with my life and the fact that he came to get us that, you know, after so long, but that he came to 
he came back. So of course I feel safer just being next to him and knowing that he's there to protect us. I'm not so sure I immediately just trust, of course. I think I, like any logical being maybe, you know, she probably has to earn my trust a little bit, but it did in the immediate moment definitely brought me some relief and comfort that I could, you know, sit into the space of being safe. I have to say, other than the first question, I've never been asked those questions. So those were excellent questions, Zoe. Aww, bye. Nah. Your, gla- your glasses are awesome. I love your frames. <laughs> <laughs> so five years' time, she's going to be taking our places on. on <laughs> on the fast track somehow <laughs> she's got an in with the producer yeah she knows people <laughs> maybe so bef- before we get further into the movie i want to kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about your current project that you've been uh real active with and that's bald is beautiful tell us yeah. a little bit about all is beautiful uh bald is beautiful is a um it is my organization and a platform to empower women to um, define their beauty and their wholeness on their own terms in sickness and in health. Uh, and that stemmed from I'm an ovarian cancer survivor. Um, actually, January was 17 years. Oh, congrats. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, ovarian cancer, not a lot of people talk about it. Um, when I was diagnosed, actually, I had to do a lot of research because I really knew next to nothing. I, I knew Gilda Radner had it. I was like the main person I knew connected to it in some way. Uh, but there's not a lot of information. There's no test. There's all, all these things that I've learned about it and so much more learned so much more about the act, the ovaries themselves and this amazing almond sized little organ in our bodies that is the source of life is the size of an almond. Insane. So, but I geek out on that kind of stuff anyway. So for the, the research was amazing, but the experience of, I had really long hair uh, that was part of my little trademark hippie jazz chick hair thing and never cut my hair. It was also, you know, just, I always wanted long hair. So natural long hair and uh, losing my hair was terrifying actually and so I had to go through a lot of I mean it was all very urgent and immediate so I just immediately okay I'm going to cut my hair short first and then uh, that really started to fall out and so I had a head shaving I had a haircut party and a head shaving party haircut party this woman who's been cutting my hair since I was five just to split in. Uh, this is all down in Miami, by the way. I grew up in, in Miami and I was visiting my parents for a week and that turned into three-year medical mystery tour. So you're you're from my neck of the woods, my current oh, neck yeah. of the woods. Well, I call it, I'm a New Yorker, but because I, after high school, I, I, I left behind Florida. <laughs> I really, I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> uh, there. Uh, but yes, I grew up in Florida and I was visiting my parents who were still there. So I ended up there for three years. Crazy. But I just, the, the experience of of what I went through losing my hair and uh, meeting other women who had a harder time with that than having cancer at all, just it it tripped me out. I just I couldn't believe the 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 disparity between having cancer and losing her hair, and people were more upset and troubled by the hair thing. So I I d- decided to myself when I finished with this cancer thing, I'm going to start Bald is Beautiful and try to help women to uh, to embrace every part of the journey and not go through. You, you can't heal when you have all this self-loathing and feeling ugly and it's harder to heal. You're putting more barriers between yourself and healing when, you know, if you're feeling unwhole when you're trying to survive and live. So I just, and, and one of the ways to do that is through the visual media. I, when I, I was also 28 at the time and I thought, you know, I just never saw myself in, in definitely in general as a, as a, as a bald girl, but 
um, the way cancer is depicted also um, is usually much older, um, always wearing a scarf or a terrible scarf or ill-fitting wig. And just I, just everything out there made me feel worse than I already may have felt at different times. And I was like, that's just got to change. And there's the power in the visual media to redefine how we perceive ourselves and each other. And, and it can do the same for the cancer experience and beyond. So I just I just sort of made it my my goal when I finished. I didn't know how long I was going to be dealing with the cancer thing. It was a three-year a three-year journey it turned out but I decided I was gonna go into acting and modeling which I had never done before <laughs> uh do that I, I used to work in the music business at, at Verve Records and Blue Note Records in, in Jazz Days, New York so this is like a whole new life path for me it felt like I don't want to say the word you know like a calling whatever you call it but something I had to do and and so that was using the visual media acting and also print like modeling to put it in you know the modeling thing was and and I guess the acting too it says everything without having to say anything. If you right. see something right. mm-hmm. uh, in a magazine, it's like instead of a woman who's diagnosed thinking, oh, I'm going to be ugly without my hair, they could say, oh, you look like that model in that magazine or that woman on that TV show. It's sort of, it just speaks volumes. You know, they say a picture paints a thousand words. It's kind of like that idea. And that's sort of a simplified kind of way of explaining it, but it, it really is true. People do respond to seeing the image that way mm-hmm. and it does help them. So uh, well, that's what I set out to do. Crazy idea. When, when my sister-in-law was diagnosed with, breast cancer that's when i definitely I, during her time when she was losing her hair i shaved down completely and even went as far as bicking it bald Ooh, yeah, um, Mach 3. but I, what was i using i found a slick uh the other company was it schlick uh there's are you talking about head blade no i was trying to find a head blade because i saw one at my local grocery store or uh, Publix. If you remember Publix, yeah, they yeah, had yeah. one that looked like a a car. It looked like a little Volkswagen. That's headblade. Okay, yeah, I can never find a headblade, but, but I, I think they, they use uh, I think they use Schick razor blades. Okay, the... but I would use Schick because it was more flexible mm-hmm. than than the Gillettes. Really, I found the opposite. Actually, I loved Mach Three. I used that. I would steal my boyfriend's Mach Threes in general. Ah. <laughs> And became a Mach 3 girl for my head as well. Now, now I'm hooked on Harry's Harry's razors. Oh, I don't Walmart. know. I love their razors. Um, okay. But now, but because, because of that, I have gone anytime my hair i start to see my little sprout start up like nope time to break out the the razor and it's gone and and even during the winter i'm like okay it's still gone (laughs) i'm not gonna let it grow yeah Uh, i started i went through for a long time and now this is about a week's growth acting world wise when at the beginning i was strict smooth cue ball smooth um and then uh some years into it i decided okay i'll i'll let it grow and take some pictures with a slight buzz you know not a full buzz cut but just like a week's growth because um just the smooth thing always made people have a question mark on their face like are you sick are you doing it on purpose you know and this look with a little buzz uh people think it's a choice no matter what so i started doing that and and but i get the same like if i go like 12 days and i could start to see the hair just a little bit over my ear i'm like no it's too long Ah." yeah (laughs) yeah Which is crazy because I never thought I could live without my long hair. And now it's like, uh, I can't even picture myself ever growing it back in. Well, the hair length that I had when I married my wife, 24 years, June, to where it is now has shrunk. (laughs) The hair hair follicles are shrunk compared to way back then. 
that's age. When I first met, uh, when I first met the uh, the woman that I would eventually marry, uh, which is now my ex, uh, I had shaved my hair completely bald a week before I met her. And yeah, and it was just like because some people they get curious how a how bald would look on them. And uh, yeah, curiosity killed the cat, but in this case, it killed the hair. And for the whole time we were married. If it got out much longer than yours right now, uh, she would she start curling that upper lip and go like, "You need ah. to." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, did your course. Mike, did your wife, was it, you said it was your wife that was ill? Mm-hmm. She, so first of all, no, she is. No, it was my sister-in-law that had breast cancer. Sister-in-law. Yeah. Um, is she okay? Everything's been clear. Uh, She's been clean Um, four, four years, maybe? Four years. Hold on. And so when she shaved her head too, like what did she do? Well, when she, she she was losing her hair because of chemo and radiation. Right. So. Yeah, but did she go with it or did she wear wigs or what, what was her um, method? She wore wigs and she wore a scarf for a while and then. Now it's it's all grown back, and she's let it, right. let it go again. But cool. at the time, Let's she she the other it. thing with, with other baldest with baldest beautiful is I don't tell people not to cover their hair their head. It's more the attitude. Like if you're carrying around shame and you're covering up to hide, and you you know that is the energy you're going to carry around no matter what. Right. You can't cover that shame. So I encourage women to have a sense of play with it. If they're going to wear wigs, have fun with it, or find cool scarf designs. What it's, it's more the attitude that's underneath whatever you're doing. That's m- the most important. So I would never sh- tell anyone, oh, you, sh- you shouldn't have worn wigs or hats or scarves. You know, it's more about have fun with it then because it's yeah. going to happen. So, I don't think she was embarrassed by it. Yeah. Sometimes um, it's more to other people because other people might, you know. He did not wear a wig. It was too itchy. <laughs> it's yeah, a, no kidding. They're not comfortable. It's forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> fact checked. You got fact checked by Zoe. Right on. Actually, he's he's getting video bombed by her right now. I'm getting video bombed by the <laughs> wife too. So hey, it's a family affair tonight. <laughs> well, you're talking about my sister. Yes. Yeah. 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 Cool. So when she was walking around at home or whatever, she didn't wear anything. Right. So it, like Hannah and go with her. Oh yeah, I know. Well, yeah, the humidity. And I, I was that way too. I was down in Florida, so. I, I had a little Yankees, uh, my New York Yankees baseball cap that I would yeah, wear when I was in the hospital. Yeah. Like a beanie? Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, I've seen those. Those are nice. And all the ladies, Maddie had mom, my father, all. Wow. My dad, my gay lady, had got mad at here. Ah, yeah. <laughs> he said, well, I don't have enough in this, so I got what I've got. That's funny. Yeah, you don't lose it. All the cocktails are different, so you don't always lose the hair. But, you know, I certainly did. Obviously, mine was uh, well, yeah, I mean, it depends. The chemicals are different. It, it attacks fast dividing cells, you know, but sometimes they don't. It just depends on the actual chemicals because every every cocktail is different, actual different chemicals. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just have it in Hong Kong. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, uh, send send positive vibes to your family for me. We will. <laughs> so yeah, that's where I was getting towards. But yeah, so she has come in, which is fine. We it's very rare we hear Melissa on the show. I know. Wow. So um, so because of bald is beautiful, that got you into acting. That got you into modeling. You said you were a Marvel fan or have been a Marvel fan. Uh, Let's start uh-huh. there. What got you into Marvel and reading comics? Um, I had, there was a, I lived in a small little residential neighborhood down in Florida, in Miami, Florida, and a block over from us, 
um, it's called Keystone Point was the area. And we lived on Keystone Terrace okay. and a block over, oh shoot, what's the name of that street? Now I'm totally spacing on their block. But anyway, one block over was Derek and Dara. He's going to be very happy that I give him credit because <laughs> Derek, the, the older brother, Derek and Dara were our friends. So it was me and my twin sister and my older brother and the two of them, we all hung out all the time in the neighborhood and, you know, went to school together and stuff like that. And Derek, um, first of all, we also did stuff like waiting for the bus at the bus stop. We would, we played Dungeons and Dragons on the sidewalk while we were waiting. We just, and we swam in each other's pool and played Frisbee, you know, all kinds of, we just hung out together all the time. And Derek had a massive collection of comic books in the garage. I mean, organized in sleeves, the whole thing. And we would hang out for hours uh, in that garage. And if I'm being, okay, now he's really going to love this because really, I think my sister and I both had a little crushy poo on Derek for just like a window of time. It's all about the comics. So it was like, okay, uh, so, you know, we, we would hang out and, okay, what do you like to do? Okay, you like comics. Oh, okay, let me look at some of these comics. And then, of course, it was off to the races after that. And the crush went away. Okay, Derek. <laughs> um, She's over you, Derek. We're over. No, um, but yeah, he, I can credit Derek uh, for uh, kicking, kickstarting my love of comic books. I mean, we also grew up watching cartoons. We're, my my brother and sister and I were total Looney Tune, Looney Tune heads. I mean, Bugs Bunny, the Warner Brothers cartoons, just we grew up with that stuff and we would make up characters and play around and stuff like that. So it was not like such a stretch. Typically one of the biggest shows that came on right after Vegetable Soup, which was at 6.30 with Looney Tunes on CBS at 7 a.m. <laughs> I remember my Saturday, most of my Saturday morning schedules. Yeah. Well. yeah. Yeah. So of course we watched also, you know, like Spider-Man, the cartoon versions of those, but, um, and, and X-Men. Um, those are, I guess those are actually, that might come up later, but yeah, my, my, my favorite characters were, I love Silver Surfer because just the surfboard and is going through the air. Just, I love that. It was just so cool. Um, but X-Men, Spider-Man, definitely favorites. And, um, the Hulk. Okay. Yeah. So, so what was the go-to book that you either read of Derek's or if you went to the store to pick up? I actually, you know, the funny, I didn't buy. It was, it was literally, it was all whatever Derek had. We would just hang out in the garage and just read stuff in or out of order. It wasn't even really specific things uh, in terms of like an approach. It was just, you know, because like I said, he had them organized in sleeves and, and stuff. And that just fascinated me too. Just that was my, my earliest exposure to a collector. He's, he's two years older, so he's not that much older but just a collector and the care with which he did that and stuff and like i can't i can't remember even details of like the first one i read i think it was probably um it's probably x-men was one of the first actual comic books that i read um i don't remember which one though i don't have that kind of encyclopedic like you have that encyclopedic memory of everything but no and Lots of memories are kind of just gone now. From I, I will get most of my psychedelic memory right here on my phone. <laughs> the Google verse. Yeah. Well, nice thing about the iPhone, there's an app called Jarvis that will tell you about the different characters. Oh, wow. I'm an Android. Uh, Jarvis will do that? Yeah, thank there, you. There's a, there, is a, there, is a Mar- there is a Marvel Jarvis app that tells you about, I don't know if it's available for Android. Interesting. I don't do apps, though. So that's where my tinfoil uh, hat comes on of the, uh, I know they have all of my information, but I don't want to buy voluntarily give it give it over uh-huh. <laughs> i'm like an analog girl in the digital world but i'm you know i have i have a unique configuration of my nerve zone <laughs> it almost sounds like a 20 i'm not a tech person i'm not a gadget person that, that almost sounds like a weird al yankovic parody <laughs> of material girl <laughs> yeah we'll have to call it <laughs> um so been a marvel fan Captain Marvel comes about. How did you end up getting cast? Talk us through that process of how 
all this came about? Um, I've been uh, pursuing, I've already been pursuing the acting thing for almost, almost 10 years, actually. Um, And I've been, I'm bi-coastal or whatever. And I gave LA a a five to 10 year window in terms of finding success. You can't just try it for a short time and it doesn't work. You got to you got to be here a lot and meet people and do that whole thing. And there's, and at the time there was a whole lot more going on in LA than in New York. Uh, when I, when I started doing that and in New York, there were like five shows shooting there and three of them were law and order, which I still want to be on. Cause I'm a Marvin, Marvin, I'm a law and order freak too. Okay. <laughs> um, but I just, it was mainly fueled by bald is beautiful. It's like, I want to bring this to the masses. And if I'm going to do that to maximize that, I've got to be in that, in that mix. So I've been doing it for a while. I did some small co-stars on a few shows over in within the first five years of going out there. Actually, I'd, I'd done a national commercial before, like my, my first year, sort of when I decided to explore LA a little bit more. It was for Bristol Myers Squibb, and they made one of they made one of the chemicals that I was in my cocktail that saved my life. And so I actually got to do a commercial. That was magical too. I got to do a commercial for them, and they used my words in their script for the commercial. I got to say "Bald is beautiful" on national television. Oh wow. Amazing. Did yeah. they know? Did you tell yeah. them? The the original audition for that commercial was more like an interview. They wanted they wanted people who had actually used Taxol, which is the name of the, the chemical. So I came in and they just tell us about your your cancer journey. And I talked about that and Bald is Beautiful, of course, because that's what I was that's why I was acting. And when I came back for the callback, they had a, a script for uh, each of us, which I picked up the script. I, I cried. I looked at it and it was my words put into the form of an ad. The ad that you see that when you see the commercial is that's what they came up with based on my interview the previous time I came in. Wow. It was so moving. I, I'm not touting a product. I'm not making anyone, you know, it's like, it's all about like, and the people in the, the, the rollout campaign was me, Lynn Redgrave, Lance Armstrong, and another woman who's an AIDS activist named Maria Davis. Those are the first four people in this, the rollout of this We Prevail campaign. And I even told them when I was in the room, I just like, I was so moved by what they were doing that I was like, of course, I really want to book this, but even if I don't, I just wanted them to, I wanted to thank them for doing a commercial that doesn't follow the pattern of you have to make people feel bad about themselves and need your product to do it. It's just purely uplifting and positive, And that's so in line with Bald is Beautiful. And I said, I, I, of course, I want to book it. But even if I don't, thank you for, you know, doing this. And they loved that, too, I guess. So that's how I booked that, I guess. And, uh, you know, talent, too, I hope. But that was that was less of an acting thing and more of a my, my story. So, of course, it's going to be truthful and authentic. And I try to be truthful and authentic in my acting. So that was just the perfect, perfect storm of a circumstance. So I had come out there on the wave of having a commercial. So I was able to get some representation pretty quickly on the L.A. side. And I'd done a few things. And then the, the floor, my financial floor dropped out and I had to deal with that like like very quickly so for a couple of years I wasn't really doing any acting and then I came back into it and a few years later this was just one of the auditions that I got and so I, I got this audition um, of course being Marvel there's not a lot of information right. uh, I think I, I think I knew it was Marvel but I didn't know what movie or what character I didn't know anything the, the script was very vague and it actually had no dialogue it was like two sentences of this scenario that I had to create visually with no dialogue and you can't actually hug or touch someone. Terrifying kind of audition, actually. Social distancing before it was cool. Yeah, I know all about it. Uh, <laughs> well, in, in audition rooms, you typically you're not supposed to even shake hands. You're not supposed to touch casting because they there's a you know it's actually similar to what we're talking about with with that kind of stuff, which is you know they 
you don't want to get sick because they're, they're meeting so many people in and out of those rooms that they, it's not a good idea to just shake hands and touch people all day, you know. So that's one of the rules anyway. But but literally, this is more, I have the scene required that hug. It's, the, the scene was that moment, my that moment with, with uh, Talos. When Talos and Soren come together, that, that was the scene, although I didn't know it as Talos and Soren or that I was an alien even. They just described it very vaguely as um, your husband is, uh, I, th- I think it's something like your husband, you don't, you don't know if your husband is alive or dead. He's in the army or I can't remember how they phrased it, but basically my husband, my, there's a ship, there's a place where the ship comes in where all the soldiers return home. And so when that ship comes in, every, all the people who are waiting for their loved ones go to that port to see if their loved one is coming home. So I have to show like I'm going over a hill uh, and I'm looking at out into where the ship has come in and I don't know if I see him and then have a moment where and then I where I think I see him and then it, I realize it's him and I run to him and, and, and we embrace and then he through visually asks about our daughter and I have to call her over and sh- and and watch the two of them unite reunite and then have another eye moment eye contact moment with my husband and I have to do all that visually and that's as vague as it was it you know I didn't even know I was going to be an alien of any kind so I had to create that whole scenario visually I thought with just a camera luckily they actually did have a reader in the room which in this case she wasn't reading text but she was just giving me an eye a person to make eye contact with and connect with emotionally but I was ready to do it with just a camera so about how far along in the process did they say oh by the way you're a scroll I didn't know that until I got the the actual script okay you know um, a couple months I think I think the audition was so a couple months between I think it was a couple months between the audition and, and oh man, I wish I had a videotape of myself getting the call from my manager telling me that I booked this <laughs> because <laughs> that was crazy. Because I, I, I almost, I didn't believe it at first. She called, I did this audition and also little, hey puppy. Um, I had, um, I had just taken, I just started this audition technique class, 12 week class, like I was in week three when this audition came in and the first three classes happened to do with the things that I needed to do this kind of audition. Because this kind of audition for an actor is, is uh, well, I wasn't kidding when I said terrifying. There are some auditions where there's a lot of physicality, the things that put you in your head, this physicality, you're supposed to move around. But in an audition, you're dealing with, you have this much room and you have to show them what you're doing. You know, you have to convey the story with this much, like where I, how I'm framed on this Skype call pretty much. Um, and a lot of that can get an actor in, in our heads of like, how do I do that? And then forget, and then the emotion stuff goes away or, or gets, there's a, a, a thin veil between, there's something behind the eyes that's like, I'm concerned about something else. You know what I mean? It, it can happen. So I happened to the first three lessons of this audition technique class had to do with creating an environment through eyeline and where to position, you know, where to look like if I'm walking into frame, uh, which side to, depending on what side the reader is on the camera, what side to enter from. Um, so those two lessons. And then the third one was how do I create the illusion of hugging someone without hugging someone? So it was like a physicality lesson. And those three lessons were exactly what I needed to do this audition. So when you say, how did you book it? I went into that room knowing exactly what I was going to do. I was not worried about it at all. I knew exactly what I was going to do when I walked in there, even though I didn't know who I was or the context. It was just like, how do I create this scene emotionally and physicality wise? So it was almost, it was almost like it was meant to be. Everything, it, yeah, everything it, it just happened very, to fall in place. 
it feels very magical in that sense. Yeah. And, right. uh, and that was acting, acting pros is the name of the class. And that was, and I, I always give them credit because it's a, an incredible class and it's, it's literally technique pure, only about auditioning. You know, the acting stuff you have to do on your own, you gotta, gotta be able to act, you know, but this is the audition scene is a very different thing than when you're on set or on stage on a play. It's, it's very different and specific. And so, um, yeah, I felt ready and I, well, I walked out this is one of the rare auditions where I walked out of there. I knew I nailed that thing. I didn't know if I was going to book it because, you know, there's all these other factors always. But the callback was not a callback. It was a director's session, which I had never done. So I actually didn't. I thought I was going to have to do the scene again. But it was just me meeting with uh, Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden in a conference room on Sony lot. <laughs> and we just talked, you know. Awesome. Yeah. Now, wait, when they told you you were a scroll, did you know what that was? Or was it something you had to go look up? Vaguely. Like I had a vague way back in my mind. I had some, but I, I had to definitely use the Google verse. And, you know, funny enough, there wasn't a lot out there. And, you know, after those movies come out, there's a lot more online about scrolls. Right. But it was really dig around mm -hmm. to find out stuff because they only appeared in comic books and a couple of cartoons. Yeah. But they've, they've never been in any movies. Right. So I had to do some digging. Yeah. So when uh, so after you did your research and you found out at least in the comic world what the scrolls were about yeah. how did that make you feel uh did, did that color how you approached your character well uh yes and no um my initial reaction in, in some ways was kind of was kind of funny because i was like um i'm evil <laughs> I want to be the good guy. Um, but of course, as is the thing with Marvel, which I love, is there's always some kind of nuance. There's there's uh, humanity and, and layers to all of their characters. So it's not just dichotomy of all good, all evil. You know, it's not that kind of thing. So it just made me more curious about, okay, why, why are they? What is their thing? What's going on? You know, uh, behind, you know, why do they hate humans? You know, it's not, it's not just, it's not just this like kill, you know, destroy earth you know like marvin the market i must destroy the earth you know <laughs> not just you know blocking my view of neptune uh it's not just that <laughs> it's, um... <laughs> i will destroy the earth with my p37 disintegrator <laughs> where's boom <laughs> where's the, the kaboom i didn't hear the kaboom <laughs> It's the Illudium Q36 Explosive Space Modulator. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, so I, I liked the pointy ears. Like I, I told you earlier, my ears are actually, I've always considered myself, I'm probably a Vulcan in some other whatever universe somewhere. The parallel on the grid out there somewhere, I'm a Vulcan somewhere and I have pointy ears. So I was like, okay, they have pointy ears. That's cool. And they're green. That's funky. That's interesting. Um, so yeah, I just... I, I, like I was saying, actually, to Zoe at the beginning, being in the MCU is the thing. So it was just like every aspect of it was just, oh, my God, I'm in the MCU. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm in the MCU. <laughs> I really is. About how long did the makeup and prosthetics take you on average? Um, the longest one was about two hours, and that was like the first time. And then it kind of got into a groove. And, and uh, the two the two main, the gentlemen who are my Chris, Chris and Mike, my guys, um, we got into a, a, a rhythm with it. So I think the fastest we did it once was like an hour and a half. But it was about two hours, give or take. 
Yeah, not terrible because it was just from the neck up. Um, they did the whole face cast and everything like that process again. I'm at Legacy Effects. I'm totally geeking out. I'm just like, I am at Legacy Effects. And every aspect of it, they're like, well, it might not be comfortable. And I was like, you know, let's do it. <laughs> they poured the <laughs> stuff like, I'm getting a head cast. Yes. Head cast. Wow. wow. And actually, my hair was about as long as it is right now. And because I wasn't sure what to do or not do for that. So when I got there, I actually told the first, uh, Gary was his name. I said, you know, if you need, if you want me to go down completely smooth, like I could do that. I just didn't want to do anything that I couldn't undo before getting here. He said, yeah, if you go, yeah, can you? And I was like, yeah, if you have clippers, you can, you can take it all the way down. And he did. And they were so excited. They were like, your cast is going to be so perfect because it's right on your head. Like everybody else, they have hair and it's just a thing. So there's always a little extra gap when we, yeah. get and we have to adjust and yours is going to be perfect. I was like, yes. <laughs> And they did hand casts too, actually, up, up to the fore on hand. But we didn't end up using them. We ended up using body paint for everything. So it was really just neck up. Um, uh, that, that's why it was only a couple hours. It wasn't like a full body involvement. Was it primarily uh, makeup or was it, uh, you know, percentage wise? That's all, it? All, no, I mean, no, the face, everything is this material. I have, I actually have the full face. The last time it got removed, they took it off in one piece. So I actually have this part of my face. <laughs> They let me keep it. So is it is it a latex? Is it silicone? I think it's a. I feel like it's a latex kind of thing. I don't. I don't know the, the chemical makeup of it, but it's very soft. It feels. It feels like skin. It feels rubbery. It's very soft, and it literally it did feel like a second skin when it was on. I mean, there was. They made it in pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, they did the face cast, but then right. so they would put this piece on, then this piece on, then a back piece and a head thing. So it was like. And then they would seam it together. You know, they would use various chemical compounds to sort of make, to blur the, to blend it together. So once, once it was on, it looked like my, my face and my skin and it felt like my skin. Like I could do all that, you know, that was one of the weird things was learning to like move around, like to emote and move around. Cause it, it, it sort of, some of it was like harder to move, especially I call, I called it, I called this, this part that I called it scroll talks. Cause it was like, I couldn't do this. I couldn't, furrow my brow with a, with the thing plastered on my head uh so i called it scroll talks <laughs> <laughs> uh so i that was one of the things i had to do actually uh the first time we were shooting is a- actually practice in the mirror i had to exaggerate my facial expression underneath knowing that only a percentage of that is what was going to read i was very concerned actually about my emotion reading because a lot of our emotions are communicated with our eyebrows and our right. eyes and they're full contact lenses too like full eyeball contact lenses not oh, wow. just iris they were like i got fitted for those that was an amazing experience i don't wear contacts so it was a whole new everything and teeth also the fake teeth so those are all custom to my teeth and my eyes and those lenses were challenging (laughs) (laughs) once they were in yeah yes actually i was gonna say once they were in i was fine and they kept they kept juicing them up like there was an eye tech on set of course like anytime i looked over i would i would we we had to we developed our own code language like i'm thirsty you know then they would come and just squirt the eyes once they were in i left them in um some other people like ben actually i don't know if i'm allowed to say but he he was very uncomfortable so he took his in and out frequently because his eyes would get dry and uncomfortable I could not imagine doing that multiple times. So I would just 
even if it was a 14-hour shoot day, I left them in. I never took them out. Uh, but that was interesting. But emoting through, again, the eyes, and I was very concerned about being able to convey the emotion un- from underneath all the prosthetics. So I practiced in the mirror, which sounds kind of dorky, but I knew I had to I had to get develop some muscle memory of like, if I'm exaggerating, if I'm going like this, it's only going to look like that. So, you know what I mean? I know your, your listeners can't see what I was doing on the visual, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's very entertaining for those of you who can't see. <laughs> so when you're doing like, so if you had say a 14 day, a 14 hour day shoot and yeah. you're doing all the, you know, you're having to over exaggerate to get that emotion to show. Uh, is your is your face tired after that? I mean, because I couldn't, you know. Uh, no, no, because it's that's part of acting, anyways. Just you're gonna be you you're gonna do whatever your physicality is. But it was more it was more so that I wouldn't be in my head about it. And actually, it's so funny. I think we shot one of the scenes we shot in the first was it the first day I had to scream like when he gets shot right in front of me when he's like when he's up we're escaping onto the the rescue ship and he gets shot right before they close the thing. Spoilers and more spoilers, everybody. It's okay. It's past the. 48 hour. Okay. Um, two yeah. week world. So, week yeah, there you go. Um, no, but I want people to see the movie. Anyway, um, I had to scream. And I and on that shoot day, I had been on set all day and I hadn't really spoken much. I was just alone because they were doing a lot of other technical stuff. And so I, when they were going to call me to set to scream, I was like, oh shit, I haven't, oh, boop. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't screamed. So then I was walking around the set like, I need a pillow. I need something. I need to scream into something. And then the PA that was helping me, I, I, I was like, can you, I have a scar in my in the trailer can you can you just i didn't i didn't have time to go off the set and run back to my room so I, they he brought the scarf and i went off on the side thing um out just outside but inside the sound stage but between the wall and so it's like in this little alley basically inside the sound stage and i put the scarf over my face and i screamed into it like really loud and then i but it was muffled by the scarf and then i looked up and there was someone standing there <laughs> <laughs> and they were looking at me like, are you okay? Because I think it looked to them like just a violent sneeze. Because <laughs> I just buried my face. I did it a few times. and But so, but that's kind of stuff that I would be doing as an actor anyway. But um, uh, physically, physically, it was more just, it was also really hot. It was five layers of, the, the outfit was pe- uh, of five layers of different pieces. And I, I couldn't go to the, I would have to get help to go to the bathroom because they had to take it off in pieces. And I had to sort of contort my way into this piece and then that snapped there and then they put that and I had to step into this piece and that pulled up and snapped across there and it was very complicated I couldn't do it by myself so and, and so there were so many layers that that was pretty hot and Ben's outfit actually had some leather chest stuff so he was even hotter he actually had tubes underneath inside his outfit that were like ventilation okay. cooling tubes yeah. um, mine was just it was just that it was fabric that you know was lots of layers but, but, but again the whole time I was like I'm in a Marvel <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did not care. I everything felt great. <laughs> so that first day, you come in, they throw you in the makeup, they throw you in the costuming. You leave. I'm assuming costumes in the same trailer as makeup, or uh, they have it there. Or did you I would have- get into wardrobe first and then go in. Uh, wait, I, yes, I got into, no, actually, sorry. Because I was wearing these um, bike bicycle type pants, whatever. Like uh, like yoga what pants. Yeah, yeah. Stretchy, long yoga pants and like a, a, a sport bra that, and then a, a workout top over that. Like a, like a 
microfiber type workout spandex. top. Spandex. 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 That's the word I was looking for. Um, and they cut, so they cut the neck on that. And on also my outfit had a shorter sleeve. So on one of the sleeves, they cut the sleeve off. So I would basically go on what was the, the under layer of my outfit and get the makeup done there. That way, of course, they could make a mess, basically. Um, and then, then I would go into wardrobe. Right. And the lenses and the teeth would, I would be done. The lenses would be done on set, either on set or if they had a separate place set up to do that. But that was, the eyes were the last thing to be put in and then the, uh, that it would stay in. And then the teeth, I would, the teeth I would take in and out if I wasn't working too much. As you went from makeup yeah. that first day to wardrobe, yeah. to get any funny looks? Well, here's the thing. Again, Marvel, secret. They had these capes for us. We could not be on the lot. We could not be seen on the lot walking around. So we had these, these cloaks, basically. They look like, uh, you know, Harry Potter, a big hood that would cover all over. And, like, we were hidden. We were kept very shrouded, secretly. So, so I was not seen. The only people who knew what I, this is the funniest thing. The only people who actually knew Sharon were the makeup and wardrobe people. Okay. Until the wrap party or whatever. And I would just kind of walk up to people and look at them and they for a second and they'd be like, oh, wait. You know, because they didn't know nobody. Ben didn't even know what I looked like until our last our last shoot together was in. Uh, actually, well, I didn't even meet him as a human being until the very very last day of shooting of December that year. Because um, in Baton Rouge, when we shot, he was leaving before I was, so he left and he he didn't come to the. We had a pre wrap wrap party in in New Orleans, and he wasn't there. So I, I met Bree and I met everybody finally as a human being at, at that party, except my husband <laughs> but he had seen he we hugged goodbye and then he said oh by the way i know what you look like because his his uh his uh, assistant whatever his pa uh i took a picture with her and she showed him the picture he's like by the way i know what you look um but so that was funny but then in december is when i after we did our reshoots i was saying goodbye to everyone and i walked into the makeup trailer just to say goodbye to them i wasn't sure he had left if he had left or not but he was sitting there in the makeup chair getting redone as uh in his human form getting makeup for that and we looked at each other in the mirror and he was like oh that's what that's what you look like as a human and i was like yeah you too yeah i search disguise there yeah so yeah okay well, so, I, so I, 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 I want this next step once you leave wardrobe yeah. you're, yeah. you're fully done up and you step on set that very first time and you're in the marvel setting what was your feelings and your emotions like at that time? Just surreal, because the first thing I was shooting was in that ship, and the soundstage was, it, it was not, there was, we weren't doing any blue or green screen, anything. So we would walk on set, and you're in a, a spaceship, you're in the thing, you're in the hallway, you're in the corridor. The first scene I, the first scene I actually shot were some of those other scenes when, um, you know, the scene where he and um, Nick Fury were there were being taken by the Kree yeah. as hostages walking down that corridor and they have the flurkin thing going on and we're behind them crowded behind them those are those are the first scenes we kind of shot were with Sam Jackson actually in those moments uh where we were kind of huddled together in the prison cell and then we're being walked out of that and then down the corridor and so it's oh, we're I'm walking around on a spaceship as far as I know because that's all I see around me so when once we were on set it, we were transported into that world and it was magical and unreal and just you know and it 
I mean, yes, I'm totally geeking out the whole time, but but once I'm an actor, so I'm professional, you know, so once I'm on set, that's where my mind is. I'm on like, I'm going to hit my mark. I'm going to follow, listen to the director. I'm going to take everything in. I want to make sure I'm doing what I need to do. So I'm, I'm in work mode as well. But inside, you know, when I sit down and I'm looking around, I'm just in complete awe of my situation. Okay. My question is going to be very similar to Mike's. Okay. But let's back it up just a little before that. Yes. You've gone through makeup, you've gone through wardrobe, and you are looking at yourself in the mirror as for the very first time as a Marvel character. What's going through your head at that point? It's it's mind blowing because it's so they're all so good. I mean, I was transformed. I'm looking at myself and I'm I I'm not there's no I mean you can see my cheekbone, you know, you can tell it's me. I can sort of tell it's me because I know me, I guess, but um and because it's my face cast, it's it's me as this creature as this being so i'm just I, and i'm looking into my own eyes i don't like if i am in makeup and wardrobe but i don't have the lenses in i'm just in my i was in in my, the honey wagon whatever getting used to moving around and playing like i was telling kylan i was practicing my movements in the mirror and looking at my face and like doing and then then i was doing funny funny stuff like okay i have contracts on the table i'm so i'm just i'm laughing at myself because i here i am I'm sitting at this table doing paperwork, so I'm just doing normal, everyday human stuff. And I look up in the mirror and I see myself sitting at the table. Like, it just looks so hilarious to me. I just thought it was so the juxtaposition of alien creature doing administrative (laughs) (laughs) stuff. Like, it was just actually uh, uh, one of the PAs took, uh, actually, no, the wardrobe person did this to me as a favor. I wasn't supposed to take any of these pictures, and I took them just for myself. I was like, there's no way I'm not documenting this entire experience. So she took a picture of me sitting at it. I was like, I took a picture sitting at the table. Like, can you just take a picture of me holding this pen and paper sitting at a desk? has a scroll scroll taking care of business um so it, it it's so transformative like the makeup is so good that you know i just felt like me as that creature and and again getting back into actor mode just you know focusing okay i gotta i'm gonna be on set soon and i need to make sure i know how to move my face and do what i need to do and you know i mean i took funny pictures like i put sunglasses on and like scrolling with sunglasses cool i'm a cool scroll you know I mean, I was, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay. Yes, you you were in you were in actor mode, work mode, professional mode, but you can't tell me there weren't parts about it you weren't totally geeking out about. The like, whole say, the time. I mean, of- I don't. There's. No, I, that's why it's like I don't want to sound like a like a like a what do you call it? I'm just keep repeating myself. But it's it's true. Like every aspect of it, total geeking out. The makeup guys, even on the second day, they were like, you know, I know this is pretty rigorous. You're gonna be so tired of it. You know, it's gonna be. The more we do it, you're going to be more and more tired of it. And every day I walk into the chair and I sit down and be like, let's go, guys. You know, I was just, they had to tell me to stop smiling. They were like, stop smiling. I was like, and I was like, okay, I'd stop smiling. And then I would stop smiling for like a half second. And because it would, you know, they wouldn't, they couldn't put it on me. I was smiling. <laughs> like, is there it, any, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, it was just there. Every aspect of it is just magical. I was, I would look at myself in the mirror in the, in the wardrobe and I took funny pictures of myself, like selfies in the mirror. And I would call my boyfriend. And he's just like, you know, I can't believe it happened. You know, but I couldn't send him pictures of you know, keep them off the internet, whatever, you know, he's traveling in the cyberspace, you know. So I could only, sh- I would only show him when I would see him in person on my phone. I was very, very careful. I was like, I'm not going to piss Marvel off. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, but yeah, it was just over the moon. Like, there are no words in the language I, to capture it. <laughs> You sound like you're like me. You really dig the behind the scenes stuff. Like, you know, I, you know, I would watch the Lord of the Rings movies just for the for the appendices and the the making 
of videos. Yes. Is there anything that you saw in the behind the scenes stuff that that maybe like surprised you or it's like, man, I didn't know it was done like that or or something like that was a complete my mind is blown now. In terms uh, of the makeup or the set or which? Or, or any of it. I mean, I had been on sets before, so that that's, I mean, still, the sets were, I'll start with the makeup. The makeup stuff, I didn't know it was going to be done in the pieces, so I was asking them all kinds of questions about how, what are they doing, and I don't remember the details of the kind of chemicals, like, their whole process, and also individually, their help was, was that, I hope that's not No, me. that was me. Okay, Sorry. Um, okay it wasn't my cigarette. <laughs> um... <laughs> I was asking them questions, and, and there's two guys working on me at the same time. They're doing each half together, so there was like a ballet. I was just tripping out of the whole process. It was amazing to watch them do their thing, and so they put the prosthetics on. By the way, it's not just the skin. After that's on, then they're painting over and tattooing and drawing those red lines and purple, and they're, they're stenciling the tattoo on the head, and, the, and, the, and it's going from on the cheekbones, and then they're, they're coloring stuff in, and then they're coloring in the eyeliner. It's not just they put on this rubber mask and we're done. They actually had to paint and color in and contour and create the look of this creature and or this being. I don't like to call her a creature because it's like she's not a, a being. Um, but they actually they had fun. They made me. They called me the pretty one because scrolls are not supposed to. Their scrolls are not to be pretty. But they gave me a Cindy Crawford little beauty mark, <laughs> and they gave me a little extra mascara. A little they gave me a little lash. You know, a little lash love. You know, so they gave me a little. They put. But those are these little touches that they're fun phenomenal artistry so i was just taking all of that amazing stuff in and then on set again the sets were just um you're transported to another world literally i mean i'm walking around and the set design is exquisite it's just so detailed and so real it's just i i was in awe at every aspect of it yeah so movie's done you've done the rap parties now comes the red carpet so it's like one of the biggest red carpets you ever did I was not allowed to go to the premiere. What? Yes. So, NDA world, not just regular, but specifically, my character was a big holdback. They did not want anyone to have any inclination that Talos had a wife and a daughter or a family that would humanize him in some way. They did not want to give anything away about the scrolls. In fact, it took them a long time to even announce Ben Mendelsohn and Talos and that character. But other than that, they didn't, you didn't, before the movie, you didn't see any scrolls. You only saw one, I think there were two different pictures that they released about the scrolls. Yeah. It was Ben. It was, I think it was just it was, Ben or maybe one other. Uh, there when they there was Ben and one other, and there was the beach scene. The beach, yeah, exactly. So that came out. So those are all like scrolls, but nothing about him. They didn't want to reveal anything anything and again I did not understand. I was pissed, believe me. I was upset. I was pissed. I thought it was everyone like like why are they being mean to me? Like I mean, but they kept telling me they they just did there was a serious holdback. They did not want anyone to know. And 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 we even talked about like, well, what can I just walk on the carpet as me and I won't say what my character is, but they're like they didn't even want people to be curious because I'm a bald woman, so people are maybe even just gonna be like, Who are you in the movie? You know, they did not even want the, the possibility of someone asking me a question about who I am and why I'm there. So I could not tell. So you were Baby Yoda before Baby Yoda became popular. <laughs> yeah, baby. I was super top secret. And when I saw the movie, I com- I was so upset and hurt and a little bit crestfallen, let's just say. 
Um, but when I saw the when I finally saw the movie, I totally understood. I was like, oh my god, that because it's such a turning point. It's such a yeah. story plot line, everything turning point. And I was like, totally get it now. Totally get it. I don't. I'm not mad anymore. <laughs> And I mean, they did let me go to, I went to the Spider-Man premiere. I was going to say, how, when did you find out you were going to be revisiting the character for Spider-Man Far From Home? We shot that scene a month before the movie came out. I knew something was happening because like a couple months before that, they started feeling me out through my rep. Like, is she maybe available in April or May to shoot something? Maybe. And then nothing happened. So we're like, okay. And then again in like is she available in june to you know because that because ben was working on something else in atlanta and so it's sort of of like the logistics of we have to recreate these characters and we need to find a set and is it easier to bring everybody to this location or have everyone fly back to la you know like so the logistics of it so we shot that scene i think we shot it in june the movie came out in july i think something crazy like it was a very last minute script change and that was a private jet the sony jet me the the director one of the marvel producers and jake gyllenhaal and his assistant the five of us on a sony private jet i'd never been on a private jet before And, uh, and of course, also, I didn't know, I didn't realize, you know, Mysterio and everything, like, I didn't, it, it didn't even, I didn't piece it together, like, oh, yeah, it's just gonna be you and so-and-so and Jake. I was like, who's this guy, Jake? Whatever, Jake. And then it's like, Jake Dillenhall, and I'm like, oh, Jake. <laughs> That's Jake. How are you? That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, they, we shot that a month before. So I knew, and again, I knew we were shooting end of credits, you know, but again, not until we saw the movie, did we know what the final thing would look like. We, and that was like a very improv scene. They, they told us I had, they, they had like two lines on there and, and then we just riffed on that, me and Ben in the car together. Oh, wow. And I was wearing, um, what's her name? Uh, Colby Smolder's, uh, her clothes as Maria Hill. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually wearing her clothes. So that was the funny thing is like, you know, oh, I fit into her clothes that's great um <laughs> but actually funny little anecdote when i went to the spider-man premiere and i saw her <laughs> i walked up to her and uh i knew she wouldn't know who i was i but i didn't think of it so i just walked up to her and i said i was in your pants <laughs> <laughs> she just like she looked at me like who the heck are you and i was like oh soren jaren soren i was i was wearing your wardrobe and she was like oh and we laughed and hugged and it was hilarious but <laughs> I was like, again, Jaren, dork. Oh my God, how did, why would you say that to someone? Like, I was in your pants. Um, I'll take also, the most uh, random uh, things ever said for a hundred, Alex. Yeah. And actually, I just, I did not know this about her. Colby is also a, an ovarian cancer survivor like me. And she also had it in her 20s. And I only found that out recently. I didn't know that at the time that I met her. I wish I did because I would have totally given her a big survivor sister hug. But she is a, an ovarian cancer survivor. And there aren't, we, there's only a 30% survival rate. So I don't often meet ovarian cancer survivors. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, so that, that also made it feel even after the fact, even more special that I got to basically be her, like shape shifting with that person who we have also of his other as humans, we have this other kind of cosmic connection thing. I just, again, everything about this whole thing just felt, it's just all magic. It's so magical. It sounds like <laughs> there needs to be a bald is beautiful podcast. Uh, yeah, well, I, um, yeah, that could be interesting. <laughs> 
I actually did a um, Ralph Lauren Pink Pony uh, Fund had uh, has a podcast called Let's Talk About Cancer, and they invited me to be the host. So actually, there's three episodes up on on it's on Spotify called Let's Talk About Cancer, and I'm the host of that podcast. Actually, um, and we do talk about I do talk about Baldur's people in that podcast. Excellent. Uh, but yeah, so I uh, yeah Colby, she's, she's awesome. <laughs> so you, you get your red carpet moment. What was that like? Walking on a red carpet. Insane. I was a, I was a, a little stressed. I mean, that's the that is the biggest. So the Spider-Man premiere that was again, like you had alluded earlier, that was actually the biggest event of any Hollywood type event of any kind that I had ever participated in. And and I I had hired a publicist to do like I couldn't hire anyone ahead of time of the movie because uh same like for um I mean for Captain Marvel I couldn't we couldn't talk about Captain Marvel so I had hired a publicist for four months uh, around Captain. Marvel coming out, um, but they they helped me with uh, the Spider-Man, which happened in June. So I guess we shot in May because the red carpet was in June. Um, so they helped out with that too. And um, it, I have, I mean, I've always felt like you know nobody knows what that's like when you're on that situation. It's it, it's 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 surreal and almost like it's over before you know it. But like the cameras flashing and people calling for you to look in different directions and. Um, standing there and they're like, I don't know, I'm posing, I'm holding my bag. I'm like, should I, you know, I don't know. I got my outfit together. You know, I did it all myself. Well, I had a girlfriend help me pick something. Um, and my sister, my six, my twin sister is my sacred stylist. Uh, she's amazing. Um, and so she actually helped me also put together the outfit. Once I got the base outfit together, she helped me talk to me through what to, how to, you know, do the thing. So I felt very ready to do it. But it, once, once we were there, it's just, it's, it's overwhelming. There's just so many people. And, you know, you get moved down. The, you're just being moved along a line and people calling. For the, it, it, it's kind of insane. And actually, oh, I met Sam Jackson on the red carpet for the for he was, I hadn't met him yet as Sharon, which was <laughs> hilarious. So uh, I had met him. I had talked to and met his, his right hand man. And he, so I went and talked to him and I was like, hey, and he recognized my voice. And he was like, oh, hey, it's you. Oh, my gosh. He, so he saw me as a human being. Um, and then he said, do you want to meet Sam? And I was like, well, yeah, because I've never met him. That's me. And so Sam was kind of, he was, he brought Sam over to me and Sam was kind of, I guess he, you know, he doesn't know who this girl is. He's, he's kind of like, all right, I'll say hi to Sam, whatever. I mean, he, he just didn't know. And then as soon as they said who I was, he was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And I took a, uh, one of my favorite pictures of me and of me with Sam Jackson smiling, beaming on the red carpet. Um, and he was wearing his fans hat. He had this pink suit on. He, was, he, he looked great, but he was, he was really sweet. It was, but it was like one of those fun moments of... I met J.K. Simmons. Uh, nice. Oh. See, now this is where, again, all the worlds are coming together, right? So J.K. Simmons, remember I said I'm a Law & Order freak. Okay, yeah. so Dr. Soda from Law & Order, anyone that I've met from Law & Order, I have to tell them the story. So I see him walking down the red carpet, <clears throat> and he's being scuttled away to some press thing, and I was like, I'm not going to miss him. There's no way. So I kind of, you know, chalk talked my way. I was like, all right, he's going to go behind that pole. I'm going to the other side. I'm going to cut him off. So I get there, and he's like, I was like, hi, uh, I'm uh, Sharon, I'm uh, Soren in the movie. Like I had to try and quickly get him to stop for a second so I could, you know. So then I was like, okay, I'm in the movie. I'm in Scrawl. He was like, oh yeah, great. He was very kind. And then I said, I have to tell you, not related to Spider-Man. I'm a huge Law & Order fan, but Law & Order came to have this whole new special meaning to me because you guys were part of my healing team during chemo. Because during chemo is this long, dark tunnel of pain. And Law and Order's on several channels several times a day, and the writing is so good, and I just love it so much, and it's also New York, so it's just home. 
I could, for an hour, I could dive into that world and not be in pain. So several times a day, I could find some, like what I call points of light in a very dark tunnel. So you are a healer you're, and you are part of, you are with me in a very special way. So that show means so much more to me than just a show. And he, of course, loved it. And he just, we hugged and he, we took a great picture together of me and Vicky Simmons is amazing. <laughs> so there's all the Sharon Lynn, my faves thing coming together again in this like beautiful, magical way. You still keep in touch with any of your castmates from either film? Um, I guess it was no, short on Far From Home, but. Uh, no, I mean, I'm in touch. I'm, <laughs> I became friends with uh, the woman who's now uh, Ben's personal assistant because she was, she was on set. We were on set a lot. And then she was also there in Atlanta when we shot the Spider-Man stuff. And she's super cool. We actually hung out a little bit in Atlanta before I left. The, the Atlanta thing was literally a flew on a Friday night, shot the thing in the morning, Saturday morning, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, back on the plane home. It was like, like a whirlwind. Wow. Um, but all the other actors are like, you know, big famous people. <laughs> I'm not a big famous person yet. So um, no, yeah. I'm not in touch with them. You walk the red carpet with them. You're you're yeah. a famous person. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> you're in the MCU. You... I don't. They're not in my phone. Let's just put it that I don't have uh, anyone on speed dial on my phone as far wait, as my castmates go. You help redefine scrolls. <laughs> I mean, because when I found out, when I kind of got a clue that scrolls were going to be in in Captain Marvel, yeah, I I my I I had a long history with them from Fantastic Four back in the seventies. Yeah. A certain attitude towards them, but then I, I walked out of the movie feeling a weird because I'm like, so I'm supposed to like them? <laughs> now my, I saw I saw the movie two times three times within the weekend that uh that it was released so i saw a minimum of two times so i was like oh, okay so after the second time i felt a little bit better about being okay with the scrolls so <laughs> find the scrolls for for a lot of people who have been reading them yeah. as bad guys for a long time so you know th- i mean i think the work. funny thing is People really seem to respond to our chemistry together, like the Halo Soren vibe. Uh, they're like, you guys need your own sitcom. <laughs> um, so I would like to think that we would come back in some way because, you know, uh, I loved every second of it, every millisecond of it. And of course, again, if I could work with Ben Mendelsohn again, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, so who, who knows? I mean, I, I will only know when I'm supposed to know if anything is happening. I don't know. I don't I don't know that they're in Captain Marvel 2. At least I haven't heard of anything. I hope but, so. Um, um, but, you know, it's um, it's kind of like you, like you were saying with about the scrolls. It's like, I think one of the best examples I think about is, is Thanos, you know. When he talks about his logic behind what he's doing, why he wants to kill half, you know, when he talks about... Humans don't deserve the earth, you know, because they're destroying the planet. So, you know, we're going to take he's he, the logic he's laying out is like, yeah, that I he loves the earth. You know, he's like so he's he's an eco fascist. So that's not good because he wants to just kill people. But when you think about it, it's like that nuanced thing. So the same with the scrolls. It's like when they frame them as refugees who just want to live in peace, you know, yeah, and right. think about what would make a group of refugees have a negative feeling toward people on earth or human beings or people in a specific country, let's say, because they're being treated so badly. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, it, again, I think the writing again, I was honored as the person I am, as the human being I am in terms of empathy and wanting to understand people and connect with people of them being portrayed in that way of like, you know, when he said that line, uh, you guys are terror. When she said, you guys are terrorists, he said, you're looking at us through the eyes of the accuser. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just one of the dope 
dopest lines. And I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, who is calling them a terrorist? And what what is their foundation for that? And who, what are they doing in the world? Are, could could other people see them as terrorists? You know what I mean? So it's sort of like, it's very well, powerful. That kind of, goes back, to, that kind of yeah. goes back to Zoe's last question of when Talos says it's okay to trust her, you know, you're still looking at, at Veer, as, as you know her yeah. as Veer's, as a potential terrorist to, yeah. to your so, people. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's like, okay, I feel safe because my husband is here and he's telling me to trust her, but I, it's going to take me a minute to be warm and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give me a little time to adjust because I've been held captive for some years by what I thought was like your people, you know what I mean? Um, so it's it's very interesting because, again, that's just that's why I love Marvel so much. It's so complex and nuanced and interesting and it makes you think about things. And, and the other thing, of course, separate from that is just, as a kid, I'm, a, you know, as you probably gather by now, a little bit of a dork, a little bit of a geek, you know, not the popular kid. So, like, what I love about Marvel is what's supposed to be what's considered your flaw or your shortcoming is what is that just your power. So it always made me feel like, you know, the things that I get teased about, those are the things that are actually special and unique and beautiful and powerful about me. It took me years into adulthood to really actually fully embrace that. My self-esteem has been a work in progress. But um, that's what I, that's also, you were asking at the beginning about what made me love the comics. And it's just, that's part of it, too, is as an outsider or someone who felt like an outsider. Um, Marvel always make you makes you feel like you belong that you belong there's community and you belong there's no outsiders so that, that's why i love them <laughs> where can people find you online you can find me online my website is baldisbeautiful.org baldisbeautiful.org um I, there's a baldisbeautiful facebook page also um i don't know how you articulate it facebook.com slash anyway if you look at baldisbeautiful on facebook you can find me and on instagram it's bald dot is dot beautiful. Just at bald dot is dot beautiful. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts, guys? You know what? I, I got one. I got one. And, you know, Sharon, you may not feel that you're a famous person, but <laughs> the, the to the three of us, to the folks listening on through either on Sorcerer Radio or via the podcast, and also especially to the little girl that asked you the first questions the night, you are. Uh, you are not just not just for, for Marvel, but for anybody, women and men, too, that have had that are cancer survivors. You are. Yeah. yeah. So, thank you. So yeah. Thank you for all that you do. And thank you for coming on the show with us tonight because this has been an absolute joy. It has been. I feel like we could just hang out here for hours, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been fighting the urge to totally geek out because uh, <laughs> of the three of us, I think I'm the one that's just like, ah! So I'm trying not. Stay in the um, lower register of your voice, James. Yes. So. <laughs> hey, Kyla, we can control that. We can't. <laughs> Channing Tatum. Little buttons over there, right? Channing Tatum. Night Ranger. That brings oh, you back see. down. That brings you back down. <laughs> really? 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 Why? Well, why? Thank you. Thank you, guys. You, uh, of course, I love talking about it, and I love. I, I, I love just talking with like-minded people. You all feel like very beautiful spirits and your energy of course is wonderful. And it's just, is it's just been awesome hanging with you guys here in cyberspace. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. Thank you and, so much. And you are more than welcome to come back anytime. Right on. Well, let's let, here's hoping that there's another scroll appearance and I get to talk about another Marvel movie. I'm in. Wouldn't we can geek out about any Marvel movie if you want. Seriously. Hey, I, I, I don't know. I would love to see scrolls maybe maybe appear in the Eternals. Yeah. Even, even if it was just an end credit scene. Yeah. I would love to see Talos and, and Soren have like, like a mini scroll sitcom. I, I think that, that, I don't know why people say that. Disney I, plus. I, 
Because you know what? That scene where you know where you're in the car and then then you change. Yeah. And I could just hear, yes, dear. Exactly. <laughs> that's what we were trying to come across. Like Talos, come on, come on. <laughs> I, I love that that scene was so real. I'm like, wow, like like even alien state the, the, the dynamics the same. That's awesome. Yeah. That's wise, man. That's wise. Well, since I didn't get to play the opening for you because we were trying to get right into it, I'm going to give you our own special Marvel moment for our ending Thursday, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. Fury's hiding something. He's a spy. Captain, he's the spy. His secrets have secrets. 